Hey everybody, welcome to episode 32 of Making It. I'm Bob Claggett here with Jimmy Daresta and David Picciuto. Hello. How's it going? Very good. Very good. Yeah, working hard. Awesome. It's probably hot there like it is here, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Today is kind of mild. And it, really? Yeah, I went outside earlier and I'm like, man, it is just perfect. Oh, it's unbelievably hot here. Mm. It's the scorcher here. Yeah. Mm. Well, Bad. Have fun with your snow this winter, David. <laughs> um, so we got a, we're going to do a Q&A episode today, and um, we got tons and tons of really great questions, and we're going to dive into that in just a second. But before we get rolling with that, uh, and we want to talk about what we're working on and stuff like usual, but before we even do that, I wanted to say, you know how we always say the iTunes thing, everybody go leave a review at iTunes? Well... A while, well, if you forgot what I say, we want you to all go to <laughs> iTunes and leave us reviews and ratings because it helps get the show up. Now, it, it had been a while since I went back and actually read some of the reviews because there were a couple negative ones that kind of just made me like, I don't really want to go do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I just stayed away from it for a little while. And I went back last week after the show and started reading reviews. And it was just so much positive, hmm. you know, encouraging just really fantastic stuff from people. Oh, that's amazing. That's great to hear. And it, it was just, it was really kind of mind-blowing how generous people are being there. So thank you to everybody who has left one. Um, thank you. Know that we do, at least I do read those, and uh, it's really awesome to... I, I read them too, but like you said, the last couple of times, you know, there's something negative and it just kind of turns you off, so you just stay away. You just don't look in that direction for a little while. Yeah. So. But anyway, thank you to everybody who's done that. I, I really appreciate it. So... Uh, let's move on. What are we working on? David, what are you, what are you up to? Well, I just, earlier this week, I put out a five awesome gems from Harbor Freight video. That has gotten a really good response. That was Uh, cool. Yeah, thank you. And these, these are tools that I've had in my shop for many years. So they've stood the test of time. So check that out. And then currently I am working on, uh, another stereo speaker video, but this time, I am making it from scratch using a Rockler speaker kit, but I am making mine look like an orange guitar amp. So it's got Tolex and it's got corner protectors on there. Oh, cool. Grill cloth. Yeah. So uh, as soon as we're done recording this, I'm going to go finish them up and uh, wrap them with the Tolex. That'll be my first time doing that. Oh, cool. Explain what that is, Tolex. Um, It's just like the the material that stretches over an amp. It's usually kind of rubbery or vinyl-y. With like a texture in it, yeah, yeah, and Tolex may be a brand, so it's but it's it's like that kind of material, like really thick, heavy material that kind of stretches over the amp, and you uh, you there's different ways to attach it. You can use contact cement, which is how I'm going to do it, or spray adhesive, and and so yeah, very cool. I'm working on a video. I'm actually working on two videos. I'm doing it. I did a table saw tips last night. We recorded it. And uh, that came out, uh, it's coming out pretty good. There's some funny stuff in that. Um, and Dave and I came up with a funny angle. Well, by the time you guys hear this, you may have heard it already. Um, so we're um, editing that. And then I'm working on that uh, buck knife switchblade conversion, which is uh, the tiny little details in that. It just, uh, I'm not a very, I'm not like a tiny, tiny detail oriented person. So it's a bit of a challenge for me. It's working out and I'm sure I'm going to be able to finish the video tonight, but it's been uh, much more challenging than I expected. But uh, like I said today on a Facebook post, I said, you know, you do something once and you go to school on it. The second time you do it, you're, you're more educated. So um, that's how I'm experiencing this. This is just an education. So the next time I do it, I know better how to approach the details. And and when I say details, there's like two details and I have to get those both right. And it's a real pain in the butt. But um, I'm going to knock that up tonight. And uh, I started doing Periscope just like on a whim. So I did two Periscopes. I noticed you guys, I know, uh, Bob, you were watching my Periscopes. Yeah, did you happen yeah. to see the couple? So yeah, one of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the first one. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. We just spontaneously turned the camera on and the interns were there and stuff. And we had a lot of laughs. We were just goofing around. So we're going to probably do that once a week, maybe. We did, I did another one yesterday because the guys were fooling around in the shop. But I, I turned on Periscope and instantly I had like over 100 people watching. Uh, it was amazing. It's it's amazing the technology that we're living in. Hmm. It's pretty incredible. So, yeah. And that's it. Yeah, you were talking about like doing things the first time and, and learning and then doing it again. I'm seeing more and more of that in videos from people, which I think is just awesome. Like, I'm glad to see people not being afraid to make a video about like, this is an experiment and I'm going to try this and 
And I've learned yeah. this from it, you know, so that the next one, like Izzy did um, the his like pocket hole jig thing that he kind of built off the top of his head recently, yeah. Yeah. which is crazy. I mean, first of all, but the fact that, you know, he, while he was doing it was saying, oh, next time I'm going to do this and next time I'm going to do this. And I think that's great because it just encourages people to just like, you know, give Jump stuff in. a shot, just do it and yeah. fix it, you know, or improve it as you go. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, for me, I put up my video of my uh, desk the last couple of days, and it's gotten a really good response, which has been it's great. Great. I watched it this morning. Looks oh, great. Um, and actually, I had a few people say your welds don't look that bad, which is they don't. <laughs> nice. They don't look that bad. <laughs> so that I thought cool. the same thing. They don't look bad at all. Yeah. So that that's been really good, and I got a good response about the. I described some potential projects that might go onto that table, and you know, was kind of asking people if they wanted to see those, and I got a really good response about those projects. So it's always great to get feedback from people and you know find out what they want to see and all that. So I've been doing that. And then this week I'm actually doing something kind of boring. I'm building closet organization for my boys. I have three boys in one room and a single closet. So we're trying to figure out how to make that <laughs> more usable. Um, so I'm just building cubbies. some some closet stuff. Yeah, cubbies and multiple bars and, you know. Sweet. Yeah. All that. Nothing great, but functional. You uh, always so, say nothing great, and then it turns out to be great. So nah, stop yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Let's jump into the questions. And uh, like we were saying before we started recording, this might actually turn into two shows because there's just a bunch of good ones. And I know how we all kind of ramble on about <laughs> stuff once we get talking. So um, I'm going to just shoot these out. You guys jump in. We'll try to be quick as we can with them. Thank you to everybody who sent questions in. They're from all over the place. A bunch of people I've never seen interact with us or, you know, everything. So it's great. I'm really glad to have them. Um, first one from Piper. I'm, I'm not going to say all the names from Twitter because a lot of them I can't pronounce and stuff. So I'll just say the beginning. Piper Driver. Um, do you replace or sharpen repair your dull circular blades? I can say for me, no. I never sharpen blades of any kind. <laughs> I used to get my blades sharpened all the time at a little place down in Little Italy. And it was like there was shoe stores and restaurants. And this was one little hole in the wall on Mott Street. They sharpened blades. And, and Dave and I would bring over like 10 or 15 blades at a time. And they would come back and they were so perfect. And I always said to them, I go, when are you going to sell this building and move to New Jersey? And he's like, that's never going to happen. And then one day I went there and they were building a restaurant in the spot. And they go, where's the sharpening guys? They go, oh, they moved to Jersey City. So. <laughs> I started buying brand new blades every time I need one then. So I got like a stack of blades the size of the height of the table. So I got to find the new sharpening guy. This, and all these guys move out of Manhattan and then this like good industrial stuff is gone. So I have mine sharpened. Uh, for my table saw, I use the Woodworker 2 Forest Blades and they're like $110 a piece. So they're kind of expensive. Ooh. And um, I have two of them. So when one goes dull, I put the other one on and I send it back to Forest and they, they sharpen it. So no kidding. I got to do that. That's yeah. good. enough. I guess right. that that's one thing. Maybe I just don't buy blades that are so expensive that it's worthwhile to have them sharpened. Maybe I'm just too cheap. There's two schools of thought of, of doing that. And there's a lot of people that just go get a new 15, $20 blade and just replace that every time. And then other people have theirs, they're sharpened. So yeah. Hmm. saw blades get replaced because the, you can't really sharpen them. I do have uh, on my big saw, I have a, a carbide tooth bandsaw blade, which is in storage. But that's the type of blade you wouldn't throw away. You would get that resharpened. But the you know the typical small quarter inch and eighth inch bandsaw blades, they just get tossed. Same here. Mm. Interesting. Yep. Um, okay, next one from Josh. Hey, Josh. Um, I have two questions. Is there a way to clear the strong period? polyurethane smell from a project that lingers forever and why does your tongue get all itchy after eating pineapple <laughs> i don't know about that one man but as far as the uh, polyurethane smell you have any ideas on that you, you just have it? to let it gas out that's it you know like let it bake in yeah. the sun if it's a hot sunny day uh i think is probably the best to do it you just you just got to let it bake out and when i say that i mean just on a hot day so you think heat actually releases the gas some? Uh, it just seems to harden it more. That's just been my experience. Mm. You know, I'm not a scientist and and I'm not fishing wait, for trolls. But Wait, you're not a scientist? Nope. All right, we're going to have to change the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like whenever I used to, I used to paint cars back, back, back in the day and, you know, you'd roll them out into the sun to like bake the paint on them. And, uh, you know, mm. once they, they get in the sun for a bit, they'd gas off and it'd smell, smell would start to go away. Hmm. Pineapple, itchy tongue, is that a thing? 
Why does your tongue get all itchy after eating pineapple? I Because pineapple sucks, I think, is probably the answer. <laughs> I love pineapple. <laughs> I would stop eating pineapple if it did weird things to my tongue. Yeah, I think that's probably an indicator of a deeper problem. Yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, go ahead and see Jimmy. He is a doctor as well. He might not be a scientist, but he's a doctor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> doctor of pineapples. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next one from Mars Barescu. Sorry. Um, making stuff is a hobby for me. Now that you are full-time, what are your hobbies? Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. My hobby is making things when I don't get paid. <laughs> mm. For me, it's music and photography. My house has basically become like another hobby, like just dealing with the big old antique house and fixing all the problems and, you know, challenging and designing and relaying out stuff. So that's definitely like a hobby. And then I just got this old car that I'm like wrenching on and changing parts and trying to solve problems. So that's definitely like a non-paying gig, totally hobby. How's that going, by the way? Have you made any big improvements on the truck? Uh, we just, uh, Willie and I changed the gas tank the other day. I changed the fuel pump. I changed the fuel lines and I can't get the gas to suck through the fuel pump, but I only tried for like five minutes and then we had to leave. It was like end of the day, how to get back to the city. So when I get up there, I'm going to like pump some gas through the gas lines. Use a pineapple. I, yeah, that, I heard that might work because they're only good for like doing things with gasoline because they suck. Oh man, there's some serious pineapple <laughs> hate going on. <laughs> just a callback. I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> Uh, for hobbies, for me, I don't know. This was my hobby. I mean, I'm kind of the same way, you know, and, and now it's my hobby and job. I think it still qualifies as both. But, I, you know, outside of this stuff, I guess uh, I run and I spend time with my kids. That's really about all I do. So I would love to play music. It's been a long time since I've played music in any capacity. I would love to do that again, but it's just hard to make it happen for me. So... Um, let's see. Next one from I'm not even going to try with the name. There are times I can't put my thoughts into action right away. This is uh, earlier in the the question was like I have really good ideas sometimes. There are times when I can't put the thoughts into action right away. I get frustrated and really anxious. Do you guys ever feel that way about starting a project or not being able to start? And if so, how do you guys deal with it? Uh, yeah, I have that every time I have a big job that I have to deal with. I always because I just want to approach it right and. I've said this before on the podcast, but the way I get over that is I just get started on one aspect of it. I even use the, the videos as an example. I had a whole timeline and I know there's like one piece of video that I'm like kind of proud of. So I'll start there. And then the rest of it, whether it's before or after that starts to fall into place. And it's the same with a project. If I know that I have to like make a set of cabinets, but the only thing I'm excited about is making the handle, I'll start with making the handle first because that will inspire me to get into the project. So just start on a small aspect of it and everything else will follow. Yeah, I do get anxious and nervous and frustrated because starting a new project, especially after just finishing a big one, feels like a lifestyle change almost. And so it, it's kind of hard to dive into. I don't have anything to add more than what Jimmy said. Just get started and, and do something. Yeah, and that getting started portion can... Like in this case, I think what they're saying is like I can't actually get to the shop to really get started on anything. But I think that same idea can apply to, you know, even like the non-physical parts of it, like the design, the totally, totally solving totally. the problems that you're gonna run into. You know, I think that's stuff that you can do even while you're sitting at your desk at work or on the train or you know. So there's always something you can prep. I think. Yeah, to Bob, to your point, um, there there have been times in my life where I, I had to do a project and I didn't have the solution. You know, maybe it's I got to hang something heavy or you know something that's like it, it's you know it's it's got to be done right, and I didn't have the solution. But then ultimately, when my brain kind of gave me the solution, my subconscious was working for me. All of a sudden, bam! I had the breakthrough. I had the solution. Then the job was a breeze, and I hadn't even started doing anything yet because I, I had sort of that mental hurdle of how is the, the joint going to work and how is this going to work and how's that going to work and then once it all comes together it's like okay this is now i just have to go through the motions the hard part is done and that's really how i've felt you know so the breakthrough is important yeah cool all right uh next one from can can make it what is your favorite video that performed disappointingly when it when you released it that's a tough one all right so mine i think would be about seven, eight months ago, I released the beer whiskey flight video, which is a, a flight to hold 
uh, a bunch of beers or whiskey and was even a candle holders. So you could you could make it and it could be one of three things. And I thought it was a brilliant little idea and it just never really, really took off. Uh, me, I, I, I keep hoping the aluminum handle double headed axe would take off, but it's kind of lagging behind. Recently, my uh, my witchblade went to um, one over a million, and now my uh, my machete is getting close to a million so uh, views. So th- those those are I I expected the machete to be at a million, but it's taken this over a year. Uh, anyway, you know you you just never know. You really never know. Like when I first started doing videos, me shooting a bunch of shotgun shells off the edge of a of a of this big steel tank I had. That was already that was like jumping and going through hoops i couldn't believe it i'm like wow i have all these cool build videos but everybody wants to see gun videos and now that's like so left in the dust but you just you really can never you can never tell i think so i did a shop tour a while it's been a while now but i had this idea for a long time and it finally got around to doing it and it was a single shot of my shop with annotation clickable annotations all over the screen and i remember you that click, yeah that click cool. a tool and it would take you to the thing and the people that watched that on desktop really enjoyed it and gave, gave me great feedback. Oh, it's such a good idea. Wow, this, that, that, that. And then the other 80% of the people or whatever <laughs> who were watching on mobile couldn't click on anything. And it, that it hadn't even occurred to me, you know, that, that yeah. uh, mobile users wouldn't be able to use it. So they were just like, what is this? This is like six minutes of a single shot of you like sanding something <laughs> in your shop. And even though I explained what it was, they just couldn't click on anything. And so it was like... That was disappointing from the perspective of just like, I have a really interesting, different idea, and it kind of worked, you know, but didn't like really reach everywhere I wanted it to. So, um, all right. So, next one would be from CDT Mr. Hay. What project skills would you suggest for high school shop classes? Jimmy, I'm sure you've got some good insight here. Um, just like using the bandsaw, because uh, I, I, I would encourage students that never use the table saw or radial arm saw to use a bandsaw because um, this is going to sound ridiculous, but of all the times I've gotten cut, the least uh, dangerous cuts have been on the bandsaw. So, you know, if you're a beginner, the bandsaw or a jigsaw is, you know, kind of the safest way to kind of dip your toe into the, into the dangerous power tool. Uh, that is uh, the safest, the safest entry level, I think, you know, maybe perhaps maybe a jigsaw or a scroll saw and then a bandsaw. I know. Is that, is that the right answer to the question? I mean, is that it? Is that an appropriate answer? Yeah, that yeah skill, skills or projects, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, you know, a lot of people uh, gluing and joining, I think, is really important. Like maybe, you know, doing like finger joints or, or, you know, start people early on with dovetails, which is something I wish that I learned early on, you know. So I think, you know, it's important to understand how to put things together that don't necessarily have nails. Yeah, going along with that, I say just some basic box making, right? In, wood, yep. in woodworking, everything, most everything starts off as a box. So... There's so many different ways to make a box, whether you're doing butt joints or finger joints or dovetails, yeah. and you're you're using the the bandsaw or table saw or radio arm saw or whatever you got, and that's it's a great skill builder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think the only thing I would add to that is just to, and this is kind of my approach to anybody getting started with any stuff, is find something that they can actually use. Like birdhouses are simple, but most high school students don't really want a birdhouse, right? So I don't know what that thing is for high school, but I think it would be most, it would give them the most motivation to have a thing that like, I'm going to walk away from this class with a thing that I can actually use, you know, mm-hmm. a phone charger or a phone stand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like a, you know, like a, an iPad stand or a phone charger, you know, something that like they would actually use on a, you know, actual basis. But, um, okay. Next one from King Tutley. Hey man. Um, finally dawned on, and this isn't a question, but I thought it was really interesting. And I don't know if you guys saw this one. Finally dawned on me why the Making It podcast crew works so well. Google Star Trek Freud roles, and then you decide who is who on the show. <laughs> I tried. I couldn't find it, Tom. I looked, and I, we talked a little bit about it. So, so I, I looked this up, and there's Freud, the you know psychologist, um, had some ideas about the different parts of our psyche. And those can be applied to th- three people. And so this uh, Star Trek thing applies those to Kirk, Spock, and Bones. And it, it's really interesting. But then trying to figure out if we're those three people also is strange. So anyway. It's, <laughs> so it's a, who's who? I have no idea. I'm not a, I'm not a Trekkie, so it kind of was lost on me a little bit. 
but is there is there an offensive answer to who's who or is it all good uh no i don't think it's offensive but it's just like you know one i don't i don't know all the details to it one like is the uh (laughs) live long and prosper one is like the um you know pleasure seeker one is the uh, analytical person and one is like the I don't, I don't remember it. The other thing. And so it's just interesting to look at our three personalities through those lenses and try to figure Bob, could you do me a favor and take your headphones off? I just want to look at the tip of your ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you saying I'm analytical? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. No. I just thought of that joke. <laughs> we, would all, we would all just, everybody would fight to be Kirk. That's all there is to it. Mm. Um, all right. So <laughs> let's move on. Uh, from Plat Boy, how do you handle bad days in the shop when things go wrong? You break apart. You've worked on for weeks, etc. Just walk away. You just gotta walk away and go edit a movie, or just take a walk with your dog. You really just gotta let it go and then take a fresh look at it. Because otherwise, if you try and stay in that mix, you're just gonna end up hurting yourself or poking your palm with a screwdriver. You know, you just kind of get away while you while you're not hurt and your mind is still on things. That's my. That's what works for me. I, I, there's nothing I could add to that. That's well said. You're gonna, you're putting yourself in danger by having a bad day in the shop. Yeah, and and the same goes for being in a hurry. Honestly, mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I caught myself the other day just like trying to, like, okay, I got a lot of stuff I want to get done. I'm just you know I'm gonna move through this and trying to film and all this stuff. And I was kind of there was like a big uh, shelving unit laying in the floor. And so I was trying to kind of hop around this thing that was taking up most of the space and I was trying to be all fast. And I jumped and just pegged the end of my knee on the end of the rail of the table saw. And it just, it knocked me down in pain. And I was (laughs) like, I just, I need to slow down. You know, so I think being in a hurry and just being overwhelmed with the amount of stuff you want to get done can also be just as, you know, can mess you up just as badly. I have those bad days you know, every so often. And it's just, it's, you you have to do, de- you have to deal with it and you have to, like Jimmy said, go find something else to do. So yeah. I think we all have the bad days. Yeah, no doubt. Um, this one didn't have a name. I don't think guys, what size bandsaw do you think works well in a home shop? I think most of the people I know have 14 inch. So I would say 14 cause it's a common, it's a common blade. You can get it at Harbor Freight. You could buy it online. You know, so I, I suggest 14, and definitely I, I say it every time people ask to go buy a good used, go buy a good used Delta. They've been making them the same for about 40 years. I would just want to add, I, I do believe that the the 14-inch bandsaw is probably the most common and, and perfect for most shops. But I also want to get one of those little tabletop bandsaws because most of the things that I need to cut on the bandsaw, at least for what I do, is just tiny little things. And sometimes I might have a resaw blade on the big 14 inch and I might yeah. want to put a smaller blade on the, on the little desktop one. So that's okay. good advice too. And they're, and they're, you know, if you buy a used one and one of those brand new, they're, they're relatively cheap. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. It's, switching blades from the bandsaw is like one of the things I dislike the most. I don't know why. Um, it just seems like a big pain. I think of it as like a Indy 500 pit stop. And so I try to do it as fast as I can. And like, I think I can do it in like a minute and a half now. So, and I, there's this thing about bandsaws being so complicated. I use the same tension on every single blade. I have no problems on my bandsaw. So I'm not, I'm not screwing it for different tensions for different blades. I just, I have the kind that has like the release on the top. And so I release the blade, put on the, the bigger or smaller blade and just tension it back or crank it back down and i don't care about like the the pressure like there's the the finger touch you touch the side of the blade and to see how much it deflects and not screw that you don't need any of that i don't i mean like i don't change the tension on mine but all the bearings if you go with a thicker blade or a thinner blade then the bearings have to be moved you got to fiddle around you have the you have the kind where you can just unscrew it with your hand or do you have to get an allen wrench in there uh i think i have to use an allen Mm, yeah yeah, to loosen them, and then you can change it by hand, and then you tighten it back or okay. something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, next one from Jacob. Um, he basically says that he's getting to build a brand new shop, and if so, his question is: If you got the design to lay out your own shop, fresh, empty building, what's your first step in tool layout and workstations? Is there a particular tool or work table that you would most likely build your shop around? I would say personally. I would start with my table saw 
and the assembly table, which is probably also going to be the outfeed table, because I think those have the largest footprint. Yeah, for most people. Yeah, I mean, I would suggest this gentleman take a look at Frank Hallworth, and his shop is seems to work really well for him. And you know, it's sort of the dream shop on YouTube right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of others, but that's just the one that I'm aware of. Uh, and having two or maybe three table saws is is really fun too. Yeah, my neighbor Chad Stanton who is also a YouTuber, um, he has two table saws and they're back to back. So one yeah. is the outfeed to the other. And, oh, that's cool. And he'll have a dado blade on one and then a regular combination blade on the other. Mm-hmm. Um, if I was going to start new, I would I would position my table saw as close to the entrance as possible because when you're bringing in big sheet goods, you don't want to haul it all the way across the room uh, if you're going to cut it right away, right? Yeah. So, and I don't store sheet goods. Um, yeah. Like like Jimmy says, I store my sheet goods at the store. Yeah. yeah. Another thing to that um, is, depending on the size of your shop, you may not have, like in my case, I don't have the space to put the table saw in the middle of the room. Even if it was in the middle of the room, I still would not have enough room to put a whole sheet through the saw. And so what I've done like with my bandsaw is it's right next to my door going outside, and it's up against a wall because I'm like you. I typically only cut small things on it. But if I did ever want to resaw something, it's on a mobile base. So all I have to do is open the door, slide the bandsaw like 12 inches to the right, and now I have an infinite amount of space out that door to feed something through. So, you know, like if you're building a new shop and you have a big barn door, something like that, what you're talking about, David, yeah, putting the saw right there by that and use that opening as your kind of feed space, you know, and that way you don't have to worry about like eating up potential space within the actual shop itself. Mm-hmm. You know, or you you don't have to worry about your placement as much. Yeah, um, in feet and out feet is also obviously really important with the table saw. You need eight feet on each side, right? At the very least. I mean, if you're making canoes, you need sixteen feet on each side. You know, depends on what you're doing. If you're ever cutting a canoe in half, you need sixteen feet, <laughs> <laughs> left and right. That is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Oh, somebody one. Oh, McBride Woodworking wanted to know, uh, Jimmy, what's the name of that thin marker that you use for making measurements? I know you've said that before, but I don't know what it's called either. Oh uh, yeah, the fa- fast cap. Fast cap makes a lot of cool, sort of interesting inventions, and I think they even accept inventions too. Mm-hmm. Um, but fast cap made that marker, and I just saw it in in Woodcraft one day, and I bought it, and I used it in a video, and and now it's like it's mine. Not really mine, but everybody calls me and says, what is that? Fast cap, <laughs> long nose pattern marker. Gotcha. It's great, great tool. It does right. dry out a little too quickly, though. So, guys, if you're listening, a hmm. little less on the vehicle, maybe a little bit more on the ink. I don't know. All right. Uh, next one from Mark Stewart. Describe a project that you were proud of when you made it, but are now displeased with, and also a project that you hated when you were making it, but now you have pride in it. For the second part of that, the table that I did for um, the video on make that had the, the slab and then the uh, piece of oak and then there was an epoxy trail like in between them connecting them. When I was putting that together, I liked the general idea of it, but the execution I just really wasn't happy with. And I didn't like the base that I had to put under it. And But it was like I was under a deadline. I needed to get it done and all this stuff. And I got it out there just not feeling great about it. But then now it's in my living room. And so... Now that it's a part of my house, I actually really like the table and I like the kind of combination of stuff that ended up in it. But for me, all the my furniture pieces I'm 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 satisfied with. I think it's my shop furniture that I am unhappy with. Like my outfeed mm. table for my table saw. It's real flimsy. And so uh, I'm gonna do some modifications to it here pretty soon. But I Man, I really pay a lot of attention to detail, and so my my show pieces, I try very hard to make sure I'm happy with it when I'm done. I can't really think of anything. The only thing that kind of keeps coming to mind is the guitar, the electric guitar. It was pretty cool when I made it, the, like the uh, AK-47 guitar. But I, I said this in other interviews and stuff. I wish I had more time to make. It. I literally had like two days to make that thing. So that's why you know, if you look at it really closely, it looks like it was made in two days. Um, so I wish I had more time with that. So when I look at that, uh, you know, it's been my, my highest grossing video. I just, uh, wish that, um, I had an opportunity to make it again and then I would give it a better paint job and do a little bit more finish work on it. And then as far as something that, that was ugly when I made it and now it's grown on me, everything I've ever made falls into that category. Hmm. 
that's a joke, but no, I, I, <laughs> whenever I make anything, I'm always like, ugh, this looks like crap. And then a couple of days later, I'm like, that's oh, not so bad. And then I watch the video like three months later, I'm like, wow, that's this pretty good. This is awesome. <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm so, I'm fantastic. <laughs> I got I got <laughs> I should have my own action figure. No, I, <laughs> it grows on me in time. Because I'm always second guessing all my, my you know millions of decisions. You always second guess. You're like, hmm, is this the right thing to do? Ah, let me just go with it. Is this the right thing to do? Well, you know what? It's the best decision right now. You know that happens thousands of times a day. All right. Oh, there's a bunch of questions that came in in like a cluster here, and I want to get to multiple people's because there's a bunch more. But um, there's some good ones in this. So the first one, totally random. If you could make a board game, what would it be about? <laughs> I don't play board games. What? Yeah. My wife hates this about me, but I don't like playing games. I I think I have a fear of of games that involve strategy or thinking because I think I have this fear of potentially looking dumb. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So I avoid all board games. Okay, well there's an interesting game that might actually help with <laughs> curses. <laughs> Foiled again. There's a one that that's called Pandemic, which is a strategy game but it's a collaborative game. Okay. And I've never seen a game like that where there's like five people playing and they're actually all on the same team. And the, the point of the game is you, all of you either win or no one wins and the game wins. Mm. And so that might be interesting because it's one where you like kind of talk through the strategy and you trade, you know, insight into like, okay, well, if I do this, then you should do this. And then, you know, it ends up everybody's a part of it. So don't be afraid of games. Well, if it's, if the question is a matter of like, which board game would you build if you had the opportunity to build one? Remember the game of life with that cool spinner? Mm-hmm. You guys remember that game life? Yep. And the spinner was always like a very key feature. Um, I remember playing that game and having fun when I was a kid. Um, but if I had to build a board game, um, it would be fun. To, I like trivia, so I would like a, the idea of like a trivia game. Hmm. You, know, maybe, you know, maybe being challenged intellectually. So I, I, like, I really like that idea. I, I always like, uh, most often I'm usually the smart one in the room when Jeopardy's on. Because I know a lot of like really dumb political information and history information. So nice. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I have a really good answer for that one. I I enjoy board games quite a bit, and me and a bunch of friends play on a semi-regular basis. So I'm kind of biased to a lot of them. I don't know what I would make. So I don't have a good answer. But the next one is, when do we get David Welder on the podcast? Oh, right on. Uh, I told <clears throat> David said, "How about today?" And of course, I was about to answer you guys, ask you guys, and I realized that uh, you know we're going to do this. So maybe next week or the following week. He's, he's, he's ready to go whenever. He's actually working on another project today, so he hasn't been around. But um, yeah, he, he said whenever you guys want, just let him know. So you know, whenever you guys want to schedule it, we'll just come in. Cool. That'd be we fun. We'll do that. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the next one, when will the three of you guys, or even four, including David, make a project together? That would be something else. I don't know. I don't know how we would actually pull that off, but that would be pretty awesome. Maybe uh, you guys could be the very first, uh, you know, the rest of camp recipients you guys come up and david's had some really good ideas uh, of course my you know my my maker my maker classes aren't up and running i don't have the space yet to do it if you guys saw my lathe video where i just installed my lathe that's that's my that's my upstate shop it's literally 20 by 20 feet it stands out there in the field and it's really just to pump the water to the house that's what the original intention was for and then to put a lawnmower in there so now i'm turning it into a machine shop so even with that maybe you know if you guys did want to spend a weekend you know we could David, David has some really good ideas. He said, if we did do this maker camp, we could have people up and, you know, if we had YouTubers up, we could all make things and make our own YouTube videos of those things. Like, and I have 40 acres. So like, if we all would like to get set loose into the wild and make a shelter with what's available, doing like a living in the wilderness and everyone gets a GoPro. And then, you know, in the following couple of weeks, everybody posts that video of what they built on the property. So, but I mean, I'm opening that up to you guys. So that would be a good opportunity for you guys to come to upstate New York and we could all work on the property and, you know, <laughs> figure out how to. Wait a second. <laughs> that sounded well, like a thinly veiled way to get us to do your work for you. <laughs> you know, we could all come up and uh, mow and uh, trim the hedges. And, uh, no, no, no. You guys got to build a little log cabin that you can't take with you. You got to leave it. Oh, <laughs> cool. Uh, the next one is where can you find Bob's Amazon wish list? <laughs> Did you I'll make a link? I, I've had one for many, many years. I'll put a link to it in the uh, show notes. I don't know if he wants to buy me something or what, but or if he's just curious what I like. 
Wait, what's up Amazon wish list exactly? That means things I want people to buy for me or things that Yeah, I yeah. I mean like I set one up when I was in college for like, you know, hey parents, this is what I want for Christmas or or whatever, just stuff on Amazon and then they could go there and order it and it would kind of get shipped to me. And now yeah. I just use it as like I put things there when I shopping list. I, yeah, a shopping list for for parts for a project or whatever. I'll kind of build it up there and then order it all at one time. Anyway, uh, next thing. What will be the next thing each of you will buy for your shop? Well, I'm buying lots of lathe tools because I got that new lathe. So I'm buying all kinds of stuff on eBay, like use little lathe bits and pieces. So, And then this weekend I'm going to Balkville. So if anyone's going to be in Balkville, upstate New York, it's a big giant uh, antique fair Saturday and Sunday. I'll be in Balkville. Just tweet me or text me if you're anybody's up near Syracuse, New York. And uh, I'm going to be buying looking for vintage lathe parts just to stock my tool room. And and also Bridgeport milling machine parts. I don't have any immediate purchases, although I do want to get a lathe to do some metal work. But I don't have a project yet, and I'm not going to get one until I have a project for it. Yeah, I, I don't really have any... I don't have room for anything else. So I don't think about like what else I would want to get. If I had a bigger space, I would probably find lots of stuff to fill it up with. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at capacity, so... Um, and the last one from the same person is what would happen if the three of you would share a shop? Um, we would have to kick Jimmy out. <laughs> I'd be making the biggest mess. <laughs> yeah. Cause he'd make the biggest mess. I keep painting everything white. So you guys wouldn't touch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would be an interesting, uh, it'd be interesting to see if we could figure out how to put things in a place where it made sense for everybody. No, I actually work good in a group. I, I, I never have, personality problems and if i do i literally just go let's go outside and talk about it i'm not one to sort of sit on it so i'll be like let's let's iron this out right now yeah yeah i don't think any of us would have trouble doing that but it would be interesting to see how how we differently how we work differently in the same space you know but the odds of that ever happening are pretty slim we'll see and i just said let's take it outside i meant to say to have a conversation in private not to have a fist fight so it's might have sounded wrong <laughs> You don't like my white tools? Let's go outside <laughs> so I can beat you up. With a tool. All right. So, and then the next one is from Pablo Monkey. In the cyber world, how do we get people into making, especially girls and young women? You guys got any thoughts on that one? I, I know from my toy business experience, you sell the sizzle. You know, that's what they always said, all my old salesmen. I probably said this before. Sell the sizzle. When you see like uh, the old commercials of like Ryan, uh, Ronco. You know, they were selling the thing they were selling was just like secondary to what it could do. So the idea of getting people interested in making things, it's showing them the result of what they could learn. So, you know, finished crafted projects or finished design, well built projects that that will provoke people to say, "Hey, I could do that." You know, if you show them the tool and say, "Hey, use this," they're like, "I don't know what to do with that. That doesn't interest me." But if you show yeah. them a finished, you know, a wooden cigar box or whatever, you know, or knit a beautiful knitted sweater, and you have this overly complicated knitting machine then people will if they get into it they'll figure out how to get to that point that brought them there in the first place so i mean that's that's my input yeah i don't know that's a that's a tough question yeah i think i mean kind of what we said earlier i think giving girls or kids or any anybody i don't think it really i think there's a lot of emphasis on trying to get women into handmade stuff which is not a bad thing in any way, but I think that can be kind of narrow because you can look at a lot of kids don't even get approached with the potential, you know, for like what they can do with doing hands-on stuff. I think it's not just women. I think it's just people. Um, but anyway, I think typically it's just giving them something that they can use, giving them something that makes sense for them where they are and what they do and and then enabling them to to realize that it's not actually that hard to create that thing, you know? And then right along with what Jimmy said, you know, I, I think showing them po- the potential, showing them the end result, and then saying like the stuff you need, the skills and the tools you need to actually get there are right here. Everything is available. It's not that hard. You know, I think that goes a long way. But um, All right. Next one from John Plumstead. How do you prioritize which project you'll do next? Uh, it depends on who's calling me and emailing me saying, where's my project? <laughs> I go, okay, I'm going to get it done right now. <laughs> no, uh, that's that's pretty much how it is. I just have, so, personally, I mean, I have so many things to do that uh, I try and keep a, a deadline for the things that have absolute 
drop dead deadlines because there's several other factors that can't move. You know, the ones that are a little bit more movable, you know, some of my, my clients and my people, you know, give me more of a, of a, of an easy time. So it's all a matter of like, what is an absolute drop dead deadline? Um, I know I have to make a make video that has to be delivered for tomorrow. So I know from the next, the next, the rest of today is going to be dedicated to finishing that. So it all depends on like, what's the hot topic right there and then. Yeah, for me, it's if it's a project that is a need for me. Like recently, we had the the planners and for the front porch. We needed those really soon, so I just put that at the top of the list. And when I don't have a particular need for a certain project, then I'll just. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is, uh, if if there's not a need for it, it's whatever's going to be most fun for me, right? Mm. I so I have a I don't know how how you guys plan your stuff out or what the overlap is like but I've started planning like I have projects for the next 2 months in planning right now and they're all overlapped and um so the way I prioritize them is typically like I'll I'll break each one down in my head as to like what it needs you know if this one needs design if this one needs materials that I have to order whatever and I kind of overlap them so that I can uh, do the next step on the next one that's available right now. So it may be like painting something today while that's drying. Then I'm designing something that I can start building tomorrow. And then after that's when the glue's drying on that, I go back and do the paint in the second coat, stuff like that, you know. Um, and a few weeks ago when we talked about productivity, uh, you mentioned Trello, David, uh, that app. And I've started using that after your recommendation. And it's actually been really cool. It's a, a bunch of lists and you can add things to these lists and then stack the lists up next to each other. But it makes it really easy for me to kind of prioritize uh, a bunch of lists on screen that can have details about like what they need or you know when they're due. Um, and it's a free app. It's it's already turning out to be really helpful for me to organize a couple of months out. You know, so I've got stuff scheduled well into the end of September. So um, this one's from Gilead Gardeners. Favorite vintage tool to make with? And don't you think Drunkenwood from Toledo should have at least one voice crane? I don't know what that is. What is that, David? I have no idea. Um, voice crane. Yes. Is that something that was probably made locally from you? Maybe, but I'm not familiar with it. But you should you have one. But I, sh- I guess I should have one. B-O-I-C-E-C-R-A-N-E. If it's an actual crane, then you should definitely get one. Well, of course. <laughs> we all should have that, right? <laughs> yeah, so we'll look that up. But as far as the first part, favorite vintage tool to make with? Bandsaw. Ah, it's a bandsaw. Yep. Um, me, I love that big giant bandsaw that I had on Hammered. And uh, I'm kind of getting close to setting it up again on my upstate property. I'm just going to set it up outside and just put a shed over it. I probably mentioned that. But... I love that bandsaw. It cuts so beautifully. I could resaw really like 12 inch thick wood. It's great. So that, and then of course my, my Bridgeport milling machine, remember my new lathe, which I just found out from uh, my new friend, Brian, that it's from 1944. Uh, Brian and nice. Thomas both looked it up and it came in around 1944, 1945. And uh, so a lot of people tell me that if your lathe was made in and around that time, it could have only been for the war effort. They weren't making things for the public like that. Oh, yeah, it's at true. that time. So that's just an interesting little history piece. Yeah, I don't have much vintage tools anymore. I used to have a, a late '80s, early '90s grizzly table saw, and that thing ruined my life. So I'm glad I don't have that anymore. <laughs> Nothing wrong with grizzly. It's just like this table saw was just worn out. Fences and tables not being flat, and just yeah. So I don't have a good answer. Yeah, I don't have many vintage things either. My uh, lathe is probably, uh, I've never looked it up, but I think it's like a 50s era craftsman. And it's really cool looking, but I don't know that it's a particularly good or strong lathe. It doesn't seem to be as strong as I expected it to be. Um, you know, Not in construction, but in like motor power. <clears throat> so it could just be a, need a new motor, or maybe it needs new belts or something like that. But yeah. You re- you reminded me my blunt lathe. It's it's blunt is the brand name uh, that I have. I I've had since I was a little kid. When I was a kid, around seven or eight years old, my dad bought out someone's shop, a man who had passed away, and uh, those several machines he bought in that one take when I was 
whatever, almost 40 years ago, I still have. And uh, he's got a couple of them, but I have most of them. And that lathe was one of them. It was the first lathe I ever used. And it's still sitting in my shop. I made the mallet on it. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that. Um, All right, well, let's do maybe one or two more. uh, And then we have a whole list. We can probably do another episode of these. Um, Let's see. How did you earn your first dollar as a maker? I got a good story. Go ahead. Yeah, go for it. So when I was a kid, my dad used to set me and my brothers up to make these little handmade signs. We'd charge everybody a quarter per letter. So when I was in like elementary school, we would come home with like, you know, money in my pocket. And me and my brothers, as my oldest brother would cut them first, then John would cut them who's second. And then eventually I would be allowed to use the, the jigsaw. And my dad would hand draw all the letters. So we'd go to school like two days after the order, three days after the order with all like five or seven, eight, ten handmade cutout names. So we were doing that from elementary school. And that was my dad got me going on that. I think my first dollar may have come from a craft show. I can't remember if it was a craft show or Etsy. I do remember the very first thing I sold at the craft show. And that was this Super Mario made out of one inch by one inch squares with a bunch of different uh, types of wood to make up Mario. And I love this thing. And I priced it at like I think $200, which I thought was crazy high and that nobody would buy it and then I would get to keep it. And it was the first thing that sold at this craft show. Uh, and that's cool. It was such an awesome feeling and a terrible feeling at the same time because yeah. I, I, I had to watch it go. But that, that was really cool. That kind of set it off for me. I think I've seen pictures of that, right? Yes, I have it up online. We'll, we'll post a link to it. Yeah, it's awesome looking. I remember. Thank you. I don't know what my first dollar was. I probably in college, I probably made some really awful furniture for somebody because most of it was pretty awful at that point. But I, I don't really remember. It's been a while. Um, so yeah, that's probably a good place to stop for this week. Thanks for everybody for sending uh, the questions. We have a lot more. Like I said, we'll try to get to them. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a cool way to do it to be able to hear from you guys and find out some specific stuff that you want to know. So thanks for sending those over. Um, Thank you. And uh, I, I I need to apologize to the the one person who sent in the question about the boys' crane. Jimmy just sent me a, a text a photo of it, and apparently it was a tool manufacturer here in Toledo, Ohio, that I had no idea that they were here. So shame on me for not knowing my history. Yeah, shame on you. Looks like good stuff. Yeah, nice. Cool. Maybe we'll put that show that uh, picture in show notes. Um, all right, cool. Well, don't forget, everybody, we're going to be, the three of us and a bunch of other people are going to be at Woodworking in America, September 12th. Man, I miss the date every single time. 25th through the 27th. Uh, we'll be there. And actually, there's a whole list of all the people that are going to be there. If you go to videowoodworkers.com, I'll put a link to it in the show notes as well. But you can see a list of everybody from YouTube that's going to be at the show, we're all going to be in one place in a booth, kind of hanging out. We just want to meet people and talk and stuff. So, if you're going to be out there, um, you know, you can pay just to get into the trade show area and then come hang out with us. And there's a bunch of different events going on around the conference for that weekend. So we'll uh, we'll be there for all that. And actually, the following weekend, October 3rd and 4th, I'll be at Maker Fair in Atlanta. I'm going to have a booth and I'm going to have like a bunch of stuff that I've made in my videos there and. Uh, probably have my X carve running, making some stuff for people. And really I'm just there to, to hang out and get to talk to people and stuff. So if you're going to be in the Atlanta area, come check that maker fair out. It's a good one. It's a growing maker fair should be getting bigger this year. I just want to add that I should have a couple cases of my books with me at woodworking in America. And so I will be bugging everybody to buy one and they can get you to autograph it. Right. I suppose. <laughs> You're going to be there, right? And I, I'm going to bring a Sharpie for you. All right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, buy his book. That would be awesome. Um, where can we find out more about everybody? We're not going to talk about what we're watching? Oh, I, I skipped it. My, my apologies. Yes. What are we watching? All right. I'm going to cheat again this week. Me too. Good. I, <laughs> I, I want to expand it beyond YouTube. So, uh a listener suggested a book, and that book is called The Checklist Manifesto, and I listened to it on Audible, and um, it's it's really awesome. And let's see, The Coffee Monkey, at Coffee Monkey, he's a Twitter follower, 
that suggested this book. And it's just great because I was talking about checklists a couple of weeks ago. And this book kind of talks about how uh, checklists can really simplify a complex problem. And I just want to mm. thank Ted for sending that to me. Yep. Um, I've been watching machine videos endlessly, machine lathe videos, all about the vintage South Bend lathe I just picked up. And uh, I've been watching, of course, Mr. Pete O'Tublicane. He's like the godfather of the machine shop on YouTube. And then also I've been watching Blue Chip Machine Shop and a lot of Basement Shop Guy. Uh, these are really good YouTubers, and um, there's there's lots and lots of them. I mean, I've been watching so many, some I don't even know. Open Source Machinery, who I mentioned a couple days ago, so... I've just been submerging myself in that world just so that when I get to making a project, it's all familiar. Nice. Yep. Awesome. So I had a question for both of you about mine. Are you guys left-handed or right-handed? Right. Right. Ah. Okay. Um, I'm Does that mean you're left? <clears throat> I'm left, I heard, yeah. I think Spock is left-handed too. So <laughs> the way that... <laughs> when he goes like this, doesn't he use his left hand? I, I have no idea. But I'm, <laughs> I'm sure somebody will let us know, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, I've been listening to a, a bunch of new podcasts that people have suggested through the show, through Twitter and stuff, which is great. Um, stuff You Should Know is a wonderful podcast. And they have just all, they cover like just a crazy amount of stuff. It's all over the place. But the one I'm li- I listened to today was about, I don't remember the title of it, but it was about being left-handed, like left-handedness. And um, it's a lot of stats about, you know, how many people are and aren't and like if it's a genetic mutation and like where the causes are and what it actually means. It's a bunch of just interesting little factoids. But it um, also explains a little bit about like, well, it's it's all, none of it's like really proven. It's all just ideas about like, do you do things differently because you're left-handed or are you left-handed because you do things differently? It's that mm. kind of you know, there's some interesting stuff there. But anyway, the podcast in general is fantastic, and they cover all sorts of really good stuff. So I love it. They put out two shows a week. It's just really, yeah. really good stuff. Yeah. So go check those out. Um, my brother, my brother Joey's left-handed, and he definitely approaches things differently. So I grew up the, with somebody left-handed. He's the smarter one, right? That's he the, is. He is. He is. <laughs> he has pointy ears too. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. Well, where can we find out about everybody? Unless I forgot something else. Did I forget anything else? I think we're good. I think we're good. Okay. You can find me at drunkenwoodworker.com and at drunkenwood on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. And Periscope. And Periscope. Which I yeah. just I just while recording this episode, I tried to do my very first Periscope. And I was I, I took one of my earbuds out and put it up by the, the phone so maybe they could hear you guys. I don't know. All this <laughs> all this new crazy social media stuff is crazy and new. Yeah, I'm on Periscope too, and I'm we just do like these silly shop spontaneous things. So far we've done about three of them. And uh, Jimmy Duress the shop. You can buy my hats and support my stuff. And then my uh, toybacker.com campaign is at about 40% right now. And I still have about 35 days to go. So maybe I'll get there. Thank you all for the support. I appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all my stuff is at I like to make stuff.com. I also have Periscope, but I have yet to actually broadcast one because I feel like a dork when I'm doing it. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I actually will or not, but. Um, all three of us will be live periscoping at the same time at Woodworking in America come September 25th. <laughs> we will. Yeah. We'll, we'll be on each other's camera. That'll be the interesting thing to do. Oh, yeah. weird. Inception. We'll find some yeah. weird way to do that. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you again for the questions. And uh, we'll pick up where we left off next week and try to answer a bunch more of them. Thanks, guys. So, yeah. Thank you. <laughs>